PlayStation Direct? Or PlayStation Inside. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square, the PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett, back and alongside me, Mr. Saw Bridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 104. Exactly two years. 52 weeks times two that we have been doing this now. Yeah, that's impressive. That is. It's, imp- it's impressive just because of the fact that we're still doing it. It's, it's, an impressive, it's, it's impressive on such a non-impressive number. Like, exactly. Like, who's, like, who celebrates 104 of anything? Like, I mean, I guess we do. I guess your birthday. Yeah. I mean, I'd celebrate any birthday after 99. I, I, dude, well, I mean, to be fair, I think we're just weird. We don't really celebrate our birthdays anyway. A lot of people go big almost every year that they can. I don't understand that, man. Some like, people, and then they, some people do the five-year thing. Like, I'm 25 now. I'm 30 now. Listen, for all, the, for all of you that haven't hit 25 yet, once you hit 25, there's nothing, there's nothing significant until 30 at all. Like, you're going to be – I can't remember my birthday right now. You're supposed to get insurance breaks at 25. I said after like 25. 25 okay. is it. Like okay, 25, you. you're a quarter of a century old. That's the cool part about it. Do you know, anytime somebody asks me how old I am, I have to sit there and think about it for a second. I don't I even care. I forget if I'm 28 or 27. I'm 27, I think. <laughs> I, I get how old I am. Yeah, I'm turning 28 this year. So I get this is one of those ingrained things in you. Like, I don't even have to think about it. I just know how old I am. And well, every now and then, my older brother would ask me my birthday. He'd be like, it's like, you, you're 23 or 22. I'm like, 22. He's like, oh, okay. And I never, I was like, I might dude be forgot my birthday. No, no. I'm like, okay. dude, I'm like, now I understand. I'm like, I, I forgot how old I am. But anyways, we're a PlayStation podcast. And, Not uh, a weird birthday podcast. I know people like those little, little. what are they? Just I don't know what randoms. you even call that. It's random. Yeah. Some Gibbering. people may not, though. So with that in mind, we are a PlayStation podcast, Triangle Square. Uh, you can find us in video format on YouTube every Monday at 10 a.m. PST and 12 p.m. CST. If you like what we're doing over here, give us a, subscri- give us a subscribe and hit the bell notification. i let you know when these videos go live, which is every Monday and every other Friday currently. Though we have a, a little golden, <clears throat> I don't want to say too much. We have a... We have some stuff coming down oh, the pipeline why, very soon. Why would you even say that? Just well, we haven't decided the name anyways. I like the second name, to be honest. I kind of like them both, but yeah. I, I'm, I think I'm we may, like... Mildly the, torn. Let's find, like, four people in our Discord and be like, hey, these are the names of a potential project. Which one do you like? Okay, we'll, we'll do that. But anyway... If you like what we're talking about or have any thoughts about what we're talking about, let us know down in the comments below. We love to hear y'all's thoughts and what you think. And of course, we may use those and pull those to talk about in our new segment that we're doing, uh, the community's take, before we get into the news and everything. So uh, if you want to listen to us in audio format only, you don't care to see our ugly mugs, then you can do so on podcast services, be it iTunes, Google Play Music, Spotify, doesn't matter. Speak for yourself. I'm a certified daddy. You are a certified daddy, but you know, I mean, I, I'm not calling you a certified daddy, but I've seen someone call you a certified daddy. So, you know, that's true. It's okay. Multiple I got people you. have called me certified daddy. If you like what we're talking about and want to be able to interact with us uh, through the audio only version, you can do so by reaching out to us on our social media things. That is Twitter at triangle S Q R D. You can find us on Facebook on triangle squared, a PlayStation podcast. You can ask to join that group and we will gladly accept you. Uh, you can find us in our Discord, where we also do stuff, and you can talk about it in the podcast open discussion uh, chat that we have there. You can find that link down in the description below. And then lastly, if you'd like to support what we're doing, 
in any shore, any form, shape, or fashion, you can go to our Patreon. It's down in the link below. It's patreon.com slash nartech. and give a dollar to the show. Help us cover. I mean, even anything as simple as a dollar can help us cover, you know, hosting costs for putting the show up, getting new stuff in as we do uh, starting new shows and being able to pay for those covering charges as well. Uh, so consider that. And if you want to go higher in the hog, you can do $5 or $7, depending on if you're national in the U.S. or international outside, uh, and get a cool, sweet custom case every three months every quarter of the year so with that said and that means we're coming up so april will be uh i'll be posting on our patreon the pics showing all the custom cases we have so that our patrons can choose for those that don't follow us on twitter and don't have a discord we have a new partnership oh yes thank you we have a good friend named ryan who has created a new gaming website for news articles all kinds of fun stuff uh and it is jack of all controllers uh, pretty cool website. You guys go check it out. I actually published my very first written article over there just the other day on why you should play Dark Souls. So yeah, pretty cool website run by a pretty cool dude. And uh, you'll see uh, us every now and then post occasional stuff to that. Yes, yeah, like I did. Currently, just due to the partnership, we're kind of acting as a de facto podcast for them. Uh, but it, it, it's great people doing great things. So yeah, if you want to kind of support people starting up something uh, just like we did, then go over there and check it out. Um, and it's cool to just have our name on a website, regardless of whatever it is, our little Nartech name. Oh, yeah, dude. Super proud of like seeing an article about, hey, Annie, look at this. And I showed her, and I had like the image I selected and everything. I'm like, look at who it's written by. And she was like, oh, wow. I didn't even know you did that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh. She's like, I'm so happy I married you. There's an article you wrote about a video game on a website. I am famous. Show me where the bedroom's at now. <laughs> She did say all that. I'm joking. But yeah, it's super cool to be to see that up there and be like, you know, I, I can now say to like family members who are quite not in touch with the internet who think publishing an article would be a very big deal and make me feel a little <laughs> bit better about myself. So but, you can bloat your ego up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, but yeah, I've published articles out there. <laughs> just keep it plural. I'll publish one more or something here soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, articles. Because right now you're just article. Yeah, article. And you have that, more than that me. That S doesn't matter. Yeah, okay. Well, anyway, Saul. Uh, we'll go into the normal opening of the show, which is always the most important thing. I really have not seen you or talked to you, I don't think, at all this week. So what have you been up to? What have you been playing? Have you played anything? I haven't played anything this week at all except uh, Sekiro. And so that was literally started Thursday yesterday. night? No, it started yesterday. Yesterday? I played did two, you not buy digitally? Two hours. No, I did. I oh, just, but I, I, got I forgot digital is actually midnight. Yeah, I no, missed. it's not. It's 11. Is that what they do here? Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, when, so it's uh, that's why I started. when you preload it'll let you play at eleven here. Yeah, that, that's so that's why it's not a big deal for me because if you so get I, home at nine or nine thirty, install all the patches and stuff, it's about eleven o'clock anyways. So I, what do they use? They must use Eastern Time as, their, so, yeah. as their server setting. That's interesting. But um, yeah, I, I I got off work late on Thursday and then I had to work early on Friday. So I went home yesterday, took a nap, and then I jumped into Sekiro, uh, Sekiro, whatever you want to call it, uh, for about about two hours, maybe two and a half, and I played it for about thirty minutes today. Uh, game is really fun so far, really good, but it is a very traditional from software game that comes with a few bugs at launch, which are kind of annoying to deal with. Uh, I wouldn't call it traditional from software, but yeah, I get what you mean. The, the bugs are traditional, but the game itself is not. Oh yeah. The game itself is not traditional. The bugs are, I was going to yeah. say every from software Soulsborne game is launched with bugs at the, at launch. I, I don't know for sure, but I would almost argue that maybe every fun software game is launched with bugs. I'm sure every game to some extent does. But yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, um, you can never completely kill bugs, but you can go pretty dang close. Yeah, I, I, and I'm having a pretty good time with the game. It is very punishing because as someone who's played uh, a lot of Dark Souls 3 lately, 
you get that mindset of like, especially trying to speed run Dark Souls 3, you want to rush through things and you can't play this game the same as you played other Dark Souls games. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, you can't just R1 spam your way through victory. And it has mechanics in it and such and combat styles that are uh, you, you have to get used to that are completely different. Dodging and stuff is almost differently timed. Uh, so I'm having a really good time with it so far, albeit a little bit frustrating. But uh, interestingly enough, it's uh, the basis of what my, I wrote that article on about why you should play Dark Souls and why I haven't quit yet is because if you take the time with a From Software game like this and you learn it, and you learn from your mistakes, it gets it, it gets way easier. And I'm just I haven't jumped over that hurdle yet. So so, but I'm waiting for it because I know it will be there soon. Uh, but other than that, I really no Final Fantasy this week. No Final Fantasy no this Tetris. week. I'm not going back to Final Fantasy until I beat uh, Sekiro. No Tetris. Not really. Not I really don't think I played anything this week. Other than that. I think I did maybe one or two Dark Souls runs trying to just perfect the time and get that better and trying with different weapons and loadouts and stuff. Okay. But that's I really think that's it, yeah. All what right, well, I went and picked up Far Cry New Dawn. I think we talked about that. And I, wasn't, I didn't play it the first few days I had it. I was still rolling through Anthem and doing my trophy grind. But I got to the point where I realized that the last three trophies I'm at, two of which I'm very close on, they're just the loyalty trophies for, I think I, the ones I have left are Freelancer and Sentinel. Um, and I'm very close to him. I just kind of was like, well, I don't want to burn myself out on this when following these two trophies, the last trophy I have to do is all a bunch of collectibles, and it's just annoying. And it's one of those uh, things yeah, where... It's the same with Dark Souls 3 for me. It's like I could play through the game a million times to do the to play the game, but then there's like you have to do these little side quests to get gestures and stuff. Telling me to play it this very specific way just for this trophy, which I know is the point of trophies. Yeah. I'm, I'm not hating. It's just I, I played the game already just, probably about 70 hours. I don't want to spend another 10 immediately right now and ruin the great time I've had with the game. Uh, it makes you more I'm, sluggish. And, and, and it's, it. it's a little bit my fault. I should have been trying to nail down a lot of those collectibles throughout playing it normally, but I wasn't. Um, I probably should have looked at the trophies knowing that I was aiming for plat, but oh well. Uh, now I'm on Far Cry New Dawn. I started playing that, and uh, it's a surprisingly more interesting game than 5. You know, I was really worried about it because of the fact that 5 just left kind of a... 5 was a game that like when you immediately beat it, it's like, well... It, it was Far Cry, and it was good. It wasn't as good as I was wanting it to be because it didn't play with that uh, religious free. Uh, they didn't go, and, and I, I should have known. off the deep end like we wanted them to. And I should have known. You know, you inadvertently spoiled New Dawn for me. How? I don't know how you did it, but you were talking to uh, Blake yesterday in Discord about uh, a character in that game. Yep. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. I'm like, I wasn't really thinking of anything. Like, I was just, I looked at the, what I was talking about was cool was like the image you posted. I'm yeah. like, that character looks really dope. Yeah. Last night, I was literally hanging out with Joe, and I was scrolling through YouTube to find out what to put on Chromecast and recommended, and there it was. And it was like, it had a picture of that, and I'm like, oh, is that Far Cry? Then I look at the title, it tells you who that character is. Oh. And I was like, how did this happen? Did See, Google like, look at my Discord, and it was like, he wants to know who that is. Yeah, because I specifically DM'd Blake to, I, to not tell anybody else who may have wondered. And I looked at that, and I'm like, that's pretty cool. That sucks that I just got that spoiled for me. Yeah, well, it's not a big revelation in the game. To be fair, if you're if you're one of those, and actually, YouTubers, you can play through the whole game without knowing it. Blake played the whole yeah, game and I, didn't I, even I pick, know. I picked that up whenever he he was he didn't know. Yeah, but yeah, if you're one of those YouTubers who puts like literal spoilers in the title, like and I'm not even saying it wasn't. Shame it was, it was a you. very short title. It was such and such as such and such, and I was like, that doesn't even make sense on how that's possible. But it probably does, and it probably is is who what it is. Yeah. So, well, I hate to tell you, but 
That wasn't my intention. Uh, but with that said, I've found the game to be far more interesting than five. I think partially because five was a story of being let down a little bit. And then I went into this with such low expectations because of that, that I think that this game has been able to actually kind of, that's what it is, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. That's what the title, that's literally what the title is on, on YouTube, except Stupid. it used the name and it's such a short name yeah. that you can't not use it. It's just like stupid don't do that don't just don't be that person i wish there's a way to block youtubers on youtube <laughs> so like i'd have to see i'd have to stop seeing them pop up because this is not or this is something i've seen quite a lot pop up yeah you this. had some other games spoiled to you uh, it's very minorly YouTube. yeah but it happens every now and then and it's like it does but so you know you were thinking you were talking about the uh we uh, months back whenever they started talking about it, they were adding these RPG elements to the game right uh, and they were kind of like the RPG light elements that you see them adding into things like um, Assassin's Creed and whatnot and surprisingly they work really well in the game because they don't feel like they're weird in the game the health bars being there is not a massive change and if anything it, all it is is like it already took you a number of hits to kill everything anyway it wasn't one hit kills now you're just seeing what that invisible bar would have been otherwise and there's a health bar in that game now yeah above every enemy's head but the way it works is that it's tied into like of course a harder enemy is going to be harder to kill so they tied into another rpg light aspect where they kind of do the diablo thing where you have they can be a normal enemy they can be a blue enemy they can be a purple enemy or a yellow enemy which is elite so you can go through that way and elites are a lot harder to kill but that means also that your weapons are graded that way you can build weapons that are basic you can and there's a tier of weapons that are all the types of weapons in the game that are the basic version then you can do one that's like the rank two which is blue rank three which is purple Purple and rank four, which is all elite weapons. Uh, so I think it's this rare. This is epic Far Cry we're talking about? Yeah, Far Cry New Dawn. And wow, I it, didn't know all this in that either. I, I guess you just didn't realize what I was talking about back then. But yeah, that, that's one of the no, things. No, no, I did. I'm just I'm shocked that the Far Cry does this. Yeah. And, wow. But it makes sense and it really works and it doesn't feel like it's something that's been added. It almost seems like you're just getting a new layer of something that already existed almost. Yeah, because I mean, because like looting is no different than it was. You'd still just go to the body and loot them. And I thought that they were going to be trying to do it to where like you go through and loot like you do in Assassin's Creed, which I guess it technically is the same. I don't know. It, it's very interesting the way they go about it. But the game has been interesting mainly because of the fact that it chooses to use Far Cry 5's world in a, far, in a way that feels far more like Far Cry to me. The thing about Far Cry 5 is that... I guess because when you've had a series, it's always been an outer, crazier worlds, and then you move it into a place like America. The thing about it is, most of us don't live in those island paradises and those crazy things, and like the Himalayas or or Africa. You know what I mean? Like, of course, there are parts, but it's sub-Saharan Africa, whatever you want to call it. The Far Cry series, to me. I always thought it was called Far Cry because you're supposed to be a Far Cry from home. Right. You know? It's like you're supposed to be in, in Which is what Far Cry 1 and 2 areas. was. Yeah, exactly. And Far Cry... 3 technically was yeah, too. Yeah, and so was 4. 4 was in, the, was in Tibet and the Himalayas, which is very... Oh, yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. People live there, but... Oh, that's right. I was, I was like, well, doesn't 4 take place in Colorado? No, no, yeah. Uh, it's uh, five, 5 was took place in Hope County, Michigan, I think is what it's supposed to be. Is it not Michigan? No, it's... Um... Are you sure? Montana. Montana. That's what it is, yeah. Anyway, look, it, it feels far more like it because, you know, with the radiation hitting everything and the colors hitting everywhere, the world feels more I heard foreign. The, I heard there's horror elements in the game. Do you agree with that? Somebody said it's scary, like, in certain points, like, where it's dark and, like, in certain areas of the game, it's, like, really decrepit looking, and it's almost... Somebody... Well, there's definitely, like, a radiation wall. 
where like you go into the it's like real drab in color and it's real brown like none of the trees have regrown any kind of because like the radiation is so high there that no life can, can you grow. actually go and explore through there hmm? oh that's cool yeah most games like far cry like if we go to uh, what was that place on far cry 4 called fallout 4 you mean yeah, fall, uh, no, yeah, the, the like yeah. the Lost Lake or whatever it's called, yeah, like exactly. where it's radiation zone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where it's like the eye all of those, where it hit all those death claws hidden in there. Yeah, which is an interesting way to go about doing it. But I mean, I don't know. It's a very interesting game if you like the idea of taking and re. And this is the same thing that um, Primal did. Primal reused Four's map and just change the topography a little yeah. bit. Um, but it was the same map structure and everything, so they didn't have to worry about redesigning anything. They just ran with it and changed it a little bit to make it look more fitting to the time period. And it's got some of the Far Cry staples that are getting kind of odd at this point, where it's almost like, okay, I guess you expect it. Like, Herc is in every single game. Uh, so Herc is in this one. It's the same Herc as last one, of course, which makes sense. Um, but the changes have been nice. He was I, in three or four? He was in three and four. I think he was even in two. He was in three, four, New Dawn. I mean, uh, New Dawn, but he was also in uh, Primal. How was he in Primal? Oh, I can explain it to you. I, I guess bet he was funny. Yeah, it was great. Okay. Yeah. But anyway. He was a funny character in five. Let's move on. I'm trying to think of ways to talk about New Dawn without spoiling too much, but I'll say this. I got it at 20 bucks, and it's exceeded my $20 drastically so uh with that said though Saul, i guess before we hop into everything we're going to go over and look at the community's take on the last episode where we talked about uh and, and i think that a couple people may have not realized i, I don't know i'm not gonna say that you know world den specifically was one of the ones on youtube where he's saying i don't guess he doesn't really understand the need to talk about the main topic and i'm not going to say as much as that there was a need more about the fact that i think sometimes people think that their subjective opinion of something has to be the objective reality of it. And I think a perfect example of this is something like, and, and this is just something interesting and we keep going back to Anthem right now, but it's just one of those funny things. I keep seeing things about, uh, the division two, right? I see a lot of good things about it. I hear a lot of good things about it, but then of course I hear that there's co-op scaling issues. Whenever you have multiple people in the game, it doesn't scale accurately. The game crashes a lot, all problems that Anthem had, but for some reason, Anthem was lambasted for these issues and the division is not it's weird but it comes down to those things where for some somebody who probably was important put a subjective opinion on you know anthem and deemed it as not good enough and then just kind of ran with that and then it just spread like wildfire throughout the media uh but it's just one of those things where nothing we said is probably i mean i doubt we said anything that anybody hadn't thought of but there is a importance i think in the few people that do always use their their subjective opinion as a fact and try and push that on everybody else as a fact it's maybe good for some of those people to hear and for the people who are on the flip side of that and constantly getting told by people that something has to be fact just because it's their thought that you can have dissenting opinions about different games and you can find your own value in very crazily different ways. So, well, that's what I was going to say is that value also has many different meanings. So most of the time, value I mean, is value, almost but... entirely subjective to me. Me and World then talked about that. Like, you know, there are some things that you can put a real value on. And we talked about that in the episode. You can put a, a real qualitative or quantitative, whatever you call it, really quantitative because that's quality is all in the eye of the beholder. So quantity is true for everybody, right? So we can right. go look, uh, is the game a higher resolution? We can say, yes, qualitatively speaking, uh, quantitatively speaking, we can look at it and go, that game runs at uh, 1280 by 720. This game runs at 1080p, you know, 1920 by 1080. So the 1920 by 1080 is better 
in that area, but that's not really value. Value is about the the, perce- the perception that you have when you play something is whether you enjoy it. And I mean, that's essentially what we're getting at, but the community's take on this is pretty interesting. So there's a couple of things here. Yeah, and as far as that goes for me too, I think that the value of a game also, people can determine the value of a game not only by the $60 price tag. Exactly, yeah. Value is even more than what you spent on the game. Yeah. Because then that's how we I mean, end up the time saying you spent on the game that we would spend a hundred dollars on a game that didn't even cost. That's not you know, yeah. If Terraria is a hundred dollars, that's not a value for anybody except us because we're the ones that are saying that it's worth. And we projected that value onto it yeah. exactly. That's something. So you, for me, value is always something that you project onto a product, regardless of price or anything. Yeah, and but then, you can be given a, be- a better value if you think something's worth a hundred dollars, and then you only pay a fifth of that. You know right, what I mean? Yeah. So that, it's like, oh, well, I'm getting even more out of that. Just like with yeah. Far Cry, I'm getting even more out of paying twenty dollars for New Dawn versus the forty. And it's just making yeah, the value is 40. still the same, but I'm viewing it in a slightly different light because I didn't spend as much money on it. It's weird that a lot of games that are coming out lately are dropping in price by ten to twenty dollars within the first like three That's or half four off. weeks. That's yeah. half off. Yeah. That's not and definitely Ubisoft. It's not uncommon. Within the first six weeks, typically, you can get it within about for about half off. I got Odyssey hasn't done that yet, has it? Yeah, I got it for twenty seven dollars. Uh, a month and a half after it launched. Is it Odyssey and Origins? Origins is the Egypt one, right? Yeah. Now, they don't they don't completely price drop. What they do is a temporary price drop. This isn't yeah. a permanent. This is a sale. Gotcha. So, yeah, it's one of those odd situations. Well, yeah, that's, that, uh, yeah I knew it was a sale uh, to begin with because it was, it was exclusive at Best Buy. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, uh, one of the things that Sean May, which was the uh, listener and friend of ours, that uh, kind of spurred the conversation that him and Saul were having and, and led into this topic, he says, I also want to add that they add new content all the time to these games. And the last one, and the last one you can make your own run and more challenges to. I think he's actually specifically talking about um, Wargroove here. Also, Outward, with its ideas that I told Saul, it's just. You see games at less price be on par with $60 games or close with it, getting better with free updates like Wargroove, where it has a single-player campaign, but you can make your own stories with cutscenes and other things while also doing online co-op at a $20 price point. Also, like Stardew Valley, now even having multiplayer to play with friends with even more content that was free. Just you see smaller games are at least, for me, better than $60 games. Um... And, I, and and that's what we're getting at the point. Is, you know, the crazy thing about value and how subjective it is is that it can make a ten dollar indie game or a twenty dollar indie game look better to you than a sixty dollar, or you know, be better to you realistically in your own heart and opinion. It makes it better than you than something that costs more. Some people equate value to how much you pay for something, and that's why you see people driving around in Lamborghinis and stuff like that. But some people don't. Some people go, "No, I got way more value out of this car." out of my Hyundai that I bought for $20,000 that gets great gas mileage, cheaper insurance, and is still a solid car that I didn't have to spend half of my life's earnings on. I got to Fort Worth, and I was still at above half a tank of gas. Yeah. Absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So anyway, that's what I mean is that it's one of those things. So I get where he's coming from, and that's interesting. Uh, Real quick, we're going to go to the flip side of that, which was we wanted people to give us examples of games that they thought uh, were better than AAA games, just so we can kind of talk about the fact that value lets these kind of, you know, distorted views kind of come through. Uh, But Liam says uh, Valhalla which is V-A-1-1-H-A-L-L-A. It was a Vita game, and I think even on PS4, was better to me than God of War and Spider-Man. He said that over on the Discord channel. Uh, Again, if you want to talk with us on our Discord channel, you can go 
join in the link below. Uh, he says, let's see. Oh, Josh Ayers via Discord goes back to the main topic that we talked about. One of the problems I think you semi-highlighted within your discussion that I think is a problem is that specifically in America, maybe Canada, the price of games since last gen hasn't changed, yet we expect more from AAA games. I'm not saying every game should be $90 at lunch, but maybe some should be the price of games here. Uh, maybe some should. The price of games here when AC1 launched was $110 a game. Now it's $88 a game, and some stores are pushing for 68 as of the end of last year. But I'm totally fine paying $100 here for a game. That's why for games I know I love, or I will love, I buy collector's editions to support them. Uh, and that is, an, we've talked about that before to an extent, Definitely in America, and I don't, and of course, because we're American, I don't know how much this changes when you're in areas like Canada uh, and when you're in areas like uh, the UK and all of Europe, uh, not all of Europe, but, you know, UK and some of those, um, you know, British territories, whatever you call them. When you're talking about that, I don't know how much these games have changed in price, but specifically in America, the last time that we had a change in price was $10 up at the start of the 360 generation. Uh, PS2 games kept their price point at 50, but as soon as PS3 and 360 games started hitting, they were all $60. Uh, so $10 price increase uh, over, what, about 14 years ago now? So maybe, because I mean, the Xbox 360 launched in 05, right? Um, I'm fairly positive. So if you look yeah. at that, yeah, so... You know, that's been 14 years, essentially, since we've had any kind of a price change. And he's right. Teams are bigger. And we've talked about this before to an extent. But teams are bigger than ever. Games cost more to make because of the fact that teams are bigger and they're pushing more graphical. You know, as they get more graphical abilities, they hire more people to push those to their absolute edge. Uh, when we're talking about AAA games, for sure. Yet people expect more and more out of them. And, uh, you know, it is interesting that everybody, th this goes back to what we were talking about with the idea of value. We expect more out of these games, but a lot of the time we expect more from a quantity number than we even do from a quality number. And again, quality being subjective, but I think that most people would be able to reasonably argue that just because you give me a game, uh, let's just, I'm trying to think of two examples. Okay, um, I, I got one. Uh, Spider-Man, PS4, yeah, The Witcher 3. Both are $60 games. The Witcher 3, every bit of side content in it, they try and give it a real narrative and a real purpose for the most part. You can argue that the, the Dandelion thing was odd and weirdly placed and you didn't want to do it. But they at least had a narrative back and they were trying to roll through. And they tried giving a reason. The Bloody Baron uh, story you know, side quest side is quest. awesome. Yeah. And it's a completely optional thing. You don't have to do it. That was probably, I like that side quest more than the entirety of the game I played. Yeah, so there's a lot of great things about that game and the way it, it portrays side quests. But then you go to a game like Spider-Man Man, which has a ton of side stuff for you to do, but none of it has any narrative value or, or any value to the world as a whole. There's very few. It has very bad side content. This also goes into something like um, Infamous Second Son. There's a ton of things you can do to clear out these blocks, but none of them have any kind of narrative or drive or anything, and they're the same over and over again. So, you know, for some people, they're, well, I just want games to be bigger. I don't care if i got to pay $90. Well, I don't think, I mean, it's one of those things where I think a lot of these people say that, but then they don't realize that when they get a $90 game that's still doing the same thing, and going, oh, well, they just want more content to justify this $90, but we're going to give them another $30 of the same content over and over and over. Right. But they don't realize that there is a, there's a level that you can catch between it. You can give me more content 
with more impact on the game. Or you can even give me a $60 game that doesn't worry about any of that and make sure that the story content itself is just as good as it could possibly get. I don't care. I'm not going to be satisfied. And again, this is my personal value that I place on games. That's why I can say that I like something like The Order. What The Order tried giving me, and it's, you know, 11 hours or whatever it took me to beat, was exactly what I think it needed. Some people go, well, it needs to be longer. I don't know if they had more story to tell there. So honestly, did it need to be longer? Would it have been suddenly magically worth $60 more if it was five hours more of just running through and just killing that many more vampires and stuff with no story gain and no real purpose? No, it wouldn't have, in my opinion. So it, again, it highlights this thing about value being the way that money goes into it and the way people expect out of things. But yeah, you highlight a good point, Josh. I mean, yes, people want more out of games than ever, and they don't want game prices to change. So it's a... Uh, I don't even know how you win that, you know? Yeah, it's... Developers and publishers have nothing that they can really do. But I will say I've seen a reasonable group of people, a decently big group of people, say that they're okay with the idea of game prices going up and being more scalable. So that a game like Ratchet & Clank that comes can be $40 and look great and play great for a $40 game and feel justifiable at that point. But then a game like The Witcher 3 can come out at $100 and feel justifiable at that point. And you can kind of play that line and then you can still let $60 games come out that kind of act as the traditional length and scope that we expect from a $60 game. And then when games want to push it more and, and the other thing about that is raising the price of the game. If more people end up buying at that price, you may be able to justify more years of development. It's one of those very interesting things where you can push these games to do even more and be even better if you're willing to pay more for them. And they'll go, well, we'll we'll make up the difference. If we give it another year of development to make sure that it hits this quality level and people are willing to pay $20 more for it because of it, does it balance out, you know? Yeah. Because we still really don't know how much money it goes into developing every game that comes out. So it's it's rough to keep, you know, track of that. And how much of that... Yeah, and how much of that budget goes to marketing? Yeah, and how and much of how much the, game? the salary of the employees that are working there too? So mm-hmm. it's it's one of those weird things that's it's really hard, and it's something that you never really can have a number for. So you can't really go off of anything with it. So it's yeah. if they raise the price and say, you know, games are now sixty nine ninety nine instead of fifty nine ninety nine, and they say it's going to help fund games more, they're really. I mean, there could be outrage for it, but there can't be outrage in terms of that because you really don't know, like. Unless you're an insider spewing out like this is not fair, you know. If you're somebody who works at, I don't know, like say Bethesda, and you say that it takes us this many people, they're paid this salary, there we it takes us this long, you, like break it down for us. You don't know, so yeah. you can't really argue against it. Uh, yeah, you can say it sucks because you don't have enough money. That makes sense. Some people want transparency in the game industry from that to where we see what the budget was for every game. I don't because uh, you know the the movie industry is fairly transparent in that remark. In that yeah, regard. the movie industry though is you buy a game, it goes to the developers. You buy a ticket at the movies, it goes to the the studios, and then it's it's a lot. There's a lot more difference there. Uh, I remember reading an article about this a couple years back on this exact same thing actually. So it's funny you brought that up. And that there was a lot going into that because the amount of money the actors are paid and how drastically differently per actor they're paid. Absolutely. Versus, uh, typically, like when you have um, uh, like voice actors and stuff on set, I don't think there's a five million to ten million dollar gap there. Like there yeah. is with uh, like other actual, I say actual, like not to be offending, but 
human being acting. Well, yeah. Or live do you act acting. on? Do you act on live action where you actually are full body acting? And and the thing about that line's disappearing too, with mocap becoming bigger and bigger. You know, these yeah. are actors who are voice acting technically and mocapping, so real bodily acting all at the same time. So the only difference between them and an actor that does live action is that their moves and words are just being interpreted into a digital landscape. Yeah. Uh, so, so it's 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 a whole new beast that's coming out that you, you yeah. we don't really know how it's going to work uh, in terms of the funding and stuff and it's hard to keep track of. So. But I, I get what you were talking about though because I'm assuming that the article probably would kind of I, I haven't read this or anything. It, uh, it, it's been a while and it compared what it did was it compared um, I don't even remember the game series. I want to say it was Elder Scrolls which is why I said Bethesda but I don't even I don't remember but it, it, it compared it to Avengers which is kind of rough because at the time like three years ago Avengers was probably one of the highest still mm. is one of the highest uh, grossing box office. Sure. Uh, but numbers. so is Bethesda. If you want to but give it, put it against Fallout true. Four. You know? uh, so Fallout that, Four that, is a massive success. Uh, it might have been Fallout Four. Actually, it yeah. might have been comparing Fallout Four and Bethesda to well, Avengers. But I don't think that was it, though. But anyways, well, it was comparing basically that there are say twenty main leads in this movie that are getting paid. You know, the bulk a total of, the, of yeah, total of like a hundred million dollars basically, or plus, yeah. and. The, the the amount they're being paid by the studio and, and to work this movie is completely different than the amount of money funded for a game because somebody had brought it up on why it's a dumb, like you can't argue that. You can't argue well, that. Well, I, I see it to an extent. So just to bring it up for this comparison point, the Avengers budget was $220 million, right? Yeah. Let's see, and I doubt that Bethesda would put it out there, but let's see the if budget we can Fallout do 4. Fallout 4 budget. I wonder what the budget for Skyrim was. I don't think you're going to find it. Let's see. But it's a very like wild animal. And when you start comparing different medias to each other, it gets hard to do those comparisons directly, but you can pull some, uh, some thing, some like basically some thinking out of it. You can realize like, this is what the kind of thinking that goes in, into this kind of stuff, which is what I like the most about it. So these things kind of move around a lot. You get in the right mindset. Skyrim says it's about 90 million. Right to to be, that that's what people have been able to find out the name. People are estimating, but this is not we don't know for sure. Estimating estimating around 150 million. Okay, now so this is where the difference is coming in. I bet this is where it's talking about the obvious things that come to mind immediately is that while a movie is all about capturing these acting these actors in the moment, and then of course having to do the set design and all those things that does exist, and and trying to do that, and then the CGI to get the parts that aren't can't be done realistically around them. Yes, but even even the mo the movements and everything have to be coded in and the you know when you're doing motion capture the body work of the person on the developer you know they're having to sit there and morph the character art they've made onto this body that they're recording to make it look right so you know Sonny Soljic you know he actually does look quite a bit like um Atreus right which is good. I mean, that, that that helps them be able to kind of cross that line. Uh, but then you have examples of like, uh, you know, and she's a short lady, but uh, I can't remember her last name. I think it's Ashley is her first name. Uh, the the woman who did uh, Ellie in The Last of Us. Ellie was a kid, and this is, of course, Ashley a, Johnson, wasn't it? Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, so in that case, you know, you're looking at a kid in a video game, but you're they're having to take the motion capture of a full-grown adult and pull that down to a kid's body. But the developers do all the rest of that as well. You know, they're having to digitally create this map room. And you, it's like 
the closest thing you have to a developer in the movie world would be like cameraman and stuff, but they're just not, you can't equally go across them. Right. So I get it. I mean, they are comparable in a lot of ways because they're both entertainment industry and there's a lot of, you know, well, for you to use this, you've got to pay us this much. And that's a big thing in gaming is middleware. How much of that money goes towards middleware? How much of it goes to the game engine? Also with gaming and stuff, there's typically more forgiveness in having to reshoot something. Like if if you blow a shot out or something, and the motion cap the motion cap actor accidentally messes up, there's not. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot. You can that go goes back and key. It, you can keyframe animate. Yeah. And fix it. yeah. So like, I, I I don't remember what I was reading, but I remember somebody on an Ask Reddit thing they were doing. Uh, somebody said like, "What is the biggest mistake you've made in less than ten seconds?" Do was an extra on a set of a movie, and he wouldn't tell what movie. But he said like he stood he stood out of line for a couple minutes. And he said that he stood out of line just far enough to be in, in the way of one of the swiveling cameras. And he said that since he did that, there was a car explosion, and that was all supposed to be in the movie. He's, his arm was in the frame. They had to reshoot the entire thing. It cost him $25,000. Yeah. So it was one of those things that's like, you don't have that in video games, I wouldn't think. There might be something yeah, equivalent no, you, you, to it, but... No, not not really. Yeah, but that's it, not the same, you know, because you're not having to make real explosions and stuff like that, like they tend to do. We're way past the uh, intended uh, topic of, of that. So yeah, let's yeah, let's move along. Uh, the last thing I wanted to bring up, and this is the last thing I even had on here. Uh, we have one more example of a game: Little Nightmares versus Elder Scrolls is one that uh, gave us. It's an example of an indie that they thought shined more than a AAA. Uh, that's from Rodney C over on YouTube. So appreciate you there. And he also mentioned The Long Dark, which is a uh, AAA. I mean AAA. It's an indie game. You said you were looking for recommendations, and that's one that he pointed out. He it's on sale right now. Yeah, um, that's the one like where it's snowy outside and it's a survival game, right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. yeah I think I've, I've seen it too. I've looked into that. I, and I, was, I was actually waiting for it to go on sale. I'm actually going to yeah. check that here in a little bit to see yep. if it is. And the other thing I want to say is, uh, and I don't know how to say this, but I'm going to call it Koi Live. He's a patron. Thank you, good sir. Yes, sir. Uh, Corey Crash, and let's see, my fellow Hot Ones buddy, Zio Neon. Uh, those were a couple of the ones I saw for, but there was a number of people who came out in support of 3D Sonic, and I just wanted nope. you to know that. I meant to respond to Kiki when he was saying, he's like, you don't like the 3D Sonic games. I love Sonic Adventure 1 and 2, by the way. I love them. They're good games. Not as good as the 2D ones. And mainly, here's the crazy thing about it. As much as I love Sonic, I would say if you were going to take the 3D games versus the 2D games, you're going to have Mania versus uh, Battle <laughs> 2 to be the two the ones that are the best out of both sure. of them. And the ones that would represent the each side equally. Fair. And Mania is a better game than uh, Battle 2. So I, I see. I don't... I keep I saying don't, Battle 2, but it's technically I, I, Sonic Adventure it's Sonic 2. Sonic Adventure 2 Battle. Battle. Yeah, Battle was yeah. the GameCube rendition version of yeah. it that had multiplayer. So, But, I mean, I, I get where you're going, but I would... Yeah, it did have multiplayer. Did, well, I was going to say, did the Dreamcast have multiplayer? Um, yeah, it did. Okay, so what was the Battle in? Different, different multiplayer, though. Okay. The multiplayer, it was... I never, oh, it is eleven ninety nine. Okay, I have to remember that, but I'm fairly positive the Dreamcast because I don't think I ever played Battle. Like I, I never played because I didn't have. A I never. GameCube. I never. Yeah. I well, like, I didn't have a GameCube at that point. Uh, we and had I'd the, already we, played Sonic we, Adventure on. Dreamcast. We, we played it on the GameCube. I never played the multiplayer mode for it. Yeah. So I don't know what that uh, mm. is. So weird. But I'll uh, go ahead and drop into or hop into the drop <laughs> if uh, if we're done with that. And this one's quite lengthy, so buckle in, get a snack, and. Uh, if you didn't know what it is, it is, of course, this week's PlayStation releases across all of its platforms. First up on the list, we have Angry Birds VR, Isle of Pigs for PSVR. Assassin's Creed 3 Remastered for PS4. Block of Picks Deluxe for PS4 and PS Vita, a cross-buy title. Cave Diggers Riches for PSVR. Counterfight for PSVR. Dracula's Legacy for PS4. The End is Nigh for PS4. 
Generation Zero for PS4, Gods Remastered for PS4, Infernal Climber Reborn for PS4, Legendary Eleven for PS4, The Legend of Heroes Trails of Cold Steel for PS4. That's the first time this game's come to PS4, isn't it? I think so. Metagal for PS4 and PS Vita, another cross-buy title. MLB The Show 2019 for PS4. Nelk and the Adventure, or the Adventure, the Legendary Alchemist for PS4. I don't even know where Adventure came from. Outward, which I know Sean's been looking forward to for PS4. And another game Sean's been looking forward to is Path of Exile for PS4. Path of Exile finally hitting. Finally. We have Farlap Horse Racing Challenge for PS4. The Princess Guide for PS4. SON, or Sun, for PS4. Seven Enhanced Edition for PS4. Serolim 3 for PS4. Skyworld for PSVR, Space Junkies for PSVR, Tales of the Fragmented Star, single fragment version for PSVR. God, that's a long name. Yeah. War Theater for PS Vita. It is no. a cross-buy title, but it doesn't say if it's cross-buy with PS4 or it not. Is. Okay. It is. That was the one that came out last week on PS4, and it just wasn't ready for Vita yet. Or two I weeks ago, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Warhammer 40,000 Space Wolf for PS4. War Party for PS4. Where the Bees Make Honey for PS4. Okay. Xenon Racer for PS4. Don't you mean Girl of the 21st Century? Yeah. <laughs> Dang. I can't remember the theme song. No, not the theme song, but uh, what is it? Um, I don't know, man. Those DCOMs are their own little world. What? Digichannel original movie, DCOM. I've never you heard, ever heard of them called that? No. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, they're good, too. Amy did not know that the guy who played Famous Joe Jackson uh, committed suicide. Oh, yes. He was also on Scrubs. That's Is where, that where it came that's from? That's where it came from, yeah. I had a feeling. All right, let's also, see. Also, little side bit about Scrubs. They skipped um, interns and went straight to med school. <laughs> like on Netflix, when it was on Netflix, it would play in order, and it would have interns and then med school. It just skipped interns on Hulu. What, like, what do you mean Interns. It had Scrub Interns, which is like the four or five episodes, the one I always said were terrible, with just the interns before they brought JD and them back. Oh, I never, I don't think I've ever seen those. It's, it's a thing, and they completely skipped them out. On I, Hulu, it used to go in complete order, and just, or no, not Hulu, I'm sorry, on Netflix, it used to I be I watched them all on Netflix, and it, I don't know. that It, it did was, that. That's interesting. Scrub's Interns, and um, it's, it's this. I'll have to look and see. Oh, okay. So maybe JD is. I'm about to say, I thought JD was in it from the get go. But it's it's focusing on uh, the main four actors that aren't even in med school, except for Denise. Yeah. So because they have, the I do new, like Denise. Lucy, yeah. I think is her name. Yeah, and, Lucy's the the new JD, as I yeah, call it. Yes. Yeah, I do like Denise too. I, yeah, I'll give you that. But this is not a Scrubs podcast, so it could we could make a Scrubs podcast. I love that show. We could. Uh, the, now it's funny we brought up DComs because of course I have a little tidbit. It's not in the it's not what I have in here, but I'm going to mention it anyway. Uh, Mortal Kombat has announced its first post-launch DLC character, and it is no other than Shang Tsung reprising his role from the '90s movies and most recently the TV series that I've yet to watch, Mortal Kombat Legacy. Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa will be the model and voice actor for the character. And if you don't know any of those things, and you may know him as uh, Johnny, no, hold on, was it Johnny Kapahala's or was it Johnny Tsunami? So yeah, Johnny Tsunami was Johnny Kapahala, right? Uh, it's his grandpa in the Johnny Kapahala movies. What is Johnny Kapahala? Johnny Tsunami, and then they had Johnny Kapahala back on board where he goes from being, Johnny Tsunami moves from being a surfer and then he goes into being a ski person. Like, he, is it he, the same he person? starts snowboarding or whatever. Is it and the same hold on, that's, that's the first movie. And then the second movie is back on board where I think he learns to skateboard. But I'm saying it's the same person. Yeah, it's the same. Well, the actor for his grandpa is right here. 
But, but is it Johnny yes. Tsunami? Yes. Why does his name change? Well, Johnny Tsunami was just like a a, I, a dumb I, name. I really thought that was his real name in that show. And then they came back movie. to his name is Johnny Capahala. Because he was snowboarding in the first one and then... Yes. Okay. And then there's a segue of him skateboarding? Yes. I'm fairly positive as to what, what Back on Board was. Uh, back to PlayStation. Please. That's just disappointing for there me. There we are right here. Johnny Capahala, Back on Board. That's it. Man, for... For us having to be done in like 40 minutes. I feel like we were. I, I think that we got told by my wife I needed to be done in a certain amount of time. I think it set off our inner man to screw around things. So, sorry, we need to keep going. Uh, months back, we saw word of a mystery title in Persona 5R, which Chad thought was going to be Persona 5 Racing. I never really thought so, but I just hope for his sake that that was going to be it. Well, it looks like the R stands for The Royale, as the game has been officially announced as such. Not much info was given otherwise outside of the likelihood of a new character and that more details would be coming on April 24th. So this does come right on the heels of Persona 5 being announced for the PlayStation Hits lineup, which means that the base game of Persona 5 is now $20. So if you haven't played it and you want to, I'm one of those people. Uh, it's a good time to go about getting it. Uh, but... With that said, does anybody play Brawlhalla anymore? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it, it does pretty well. You know, they, they uh, well, for a while there they, it was actually not too high, it was not too low on Twitch. Like people they absorbed were into Ubisoft. If you remember, they like they, yeah. they the indie developer went into Ubisoft. Uh, but with that said, I'm curious as to what this is. It the obvious joke is that it's a battle royale game, but it's obviously not. It's not. Yeah, that, uh, that, I don't think that. So we'll happen. see what's going to end up happening. It seems like it's their take on Persona 4 Golden. You know, it's supposed to be like some kind of uh, extension with new content and stuff like that in it. Uh, so next up, Smash-like game Brawlhalla that Saul was just talking about. We'll be adding characters from Hellboy to the lineup next month with four characters from the upcoming movie being added to the roster, one being Hellboy himself. So if you want to check those out, you can go see those. Uh, a sequel that surprised many fans of the original was announced this week in the way of Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2. A follow-up to a little-known but cult classic game from 2004 that was called, of course, uh, Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines. The sequel is planning to release in Q1 of 2020 and has plans for post-launch support well into that year. Uh, so I know Liam was very excited about that. Never played the game. Do remember seeing it. Remember hearing about it. Just don't know anything else about it. Um, Next up, though, a possible release date for Remedy's entertain Remedy Entertainment's control was leaked a few weeks back, with Remedy now confirming that the leak was real. So the game will be releasing on August 27th, 2019. So that's a pretty good post-E3 uh, release. Uh, one of the first ones that we really know about. You know, we've had a couple of leaks. We're going to see if any of them turn Come out to, to be fruition. real. Uh, but next up, long after the Handsome Collection released and after multiple teases and foreign ratings throughout the years, and I mean throughout the years, it was like last year they got rated somewhere, uh, Borderlands 1 appears to be finally joining current-gen consoles. So Borderlands Game of the Year Edition has been rated for release by the ESRB. This lines up with the recent teases that Gearbox did where they were showing... Uh, different teases that they were going to be doing throughout their announcement at, uh, I can't remember where it was going to be. PAX? PAX. Okay, uh, so they did one that looks like it's teasing Borderlands 3, one that is Borderlands 2 in some form or fashion, which I think is probably Borderlands Switch. That seems like the most reasonable way to, Borderlands 2 on Switch. Yeah. Uh, considering it came to Vita, it's not that weird to think that they would find a way to put it onto the Switch as well. It may even be the whole Handsome Collection. I doubt it, but maybe. Because um, it had performance problems on Vita, didn't it? Like really bad ones? Early on, but and like I got to give really, and they updated that game up to a year after it released, Iron Galaxy Studios. That is the studio that, uh, do you remember the guy who was doing, um, and I got to remember, I think it's Andy. 
uh, or Adam. Uh, it must be Adam. Um, anyway, yeah, Adam Boys. The he was the one who was with Shuhei in the video during the e, the E three of PlayStation Four, where he was like, uh, "This is how you share games on PlayStation 4. And he's oh, like, and he "Hey, can I borrow your game?" Yeah. So Adam Boys was their person who came out and handled a lot of their little smaller announcements that they would do. Uh, and he was there. I can't remember exactly what he was. I think he was like their like spokesperson, right? I don't really no, I don't know what you'd call him, but essentially handled trying to get games from other developers coming in. I don't remember oh. the wording for it, but he left and went to Iron Galaxy Studios. Gotcha. Which yeah. is the people who did that. If they fixed from what from at least what I saw. Uh, oh, I have it. It plays all right now. Does it? I mean, okay. it's not perfect. It still has some frame drops in the mid twenties, but it's not bad. You yeah. know, it's, it's playable. But you know, think about that. If they got it to run that way on the Switch, I mean, on the uh, on the Vita, they'd be able to run it on Switch even Easy. even better. Yeah, realistically speaking. So. Um, that's one of those interesting things. Let's see. Next up, yet another backwards compatibility patent from Sony has gone public now. You can see that patent over on Jack of All Controllers. I'm actually going to give it to Ryan. Uh, he is the first person I saw post that. And, I mean, I really looked around new stuff by about a two-day lead. So our boys, got, got our boys credited doing good. on N4G. Nice. So Jack of All Controllers, the website we were talking about earlier in the episode, this yep. was all on that. And, uh they Let's were see. sourced. So this other patent has gone public with a 2017 filing from Mark Sony Cerny discussing the use of a new CPU to run in a restricted mode and with select features disabled for the system to run in backwards compatibility mode. It specifically shows this on the uh, patent, which is pretty interesting. This still doesn't confirm that the PS5 will be backwards compatible, but does reinforce the fact that Sony has given it the due diligence of the, of the matter. So I feel like this means that they are likely going to do some form of backwards compatibility, but these are just to keep in mind, these are back end things that they're doing. They're patents. Most patents don't ever actually get used. What was the guy of the name? Or the guy of the name. What was the name of the guy who made the cell uh, processor again? Ken Kudaragi. I wonder if he could like not reverse engineer it, but create a, a new processor that would be able to. I think, I don't know. It. I don't know for sure, but I think that he, whenever he left as president or whatever, I think that he went to the board so I think he is on the board of Sony. Okay. Because um, it would make sense that if he could make the cell processor, if he could make a new processor that could emulate it. Well, I think what it comes down to is that he, he could make a new one, but if they're making processors, they have to work oh, with... They, yeah, they were mind. working with IBM at the time to make the processors. It's that they're trying to do it cheaply by going through AMD. Now, they can work with AMD to try and get as close to possible with looking at the Navi or whatever they're going to be using, you know, the Zen, Navi, whatever, and try and figure out the best way to go through it. I guess technically Probably be, Navi. Yeah, it, it would be... But I think it is Navi. Yeah, I don't know. It's going to be one of those interesting things. They technically could, I guess, but I don't know that he would. I don't even know that Ken still does any kind of hardware development. I I, I don't know. That's just... I don't, that's not really my area of expertise, so... Uh, Anyway, moving along, after the arrest of one of the game's actors, Sega pulled Judgment from Japanese retailers. This is a game that's set in the Yakuza world. And many worried it would affect the Western release. The developers come out to clear those worries, saying that the release is still on track for June 25th in the West, uh, but it will feature a new character model and Japanese voice for the character that the actor who portrayed, um, you know, sadly. Did he get arrested for being in the Yakuza? <laughs> That'd be funny, wouldn't it? Uh, he got arrested for, I think, cocaine. Oh, and apparently I didn't know this. This is like a really big deal in Japan, but they don't they don't play with it. Dude, J Japan doesn't play around with anything. That's just so crazy because like you remember the dude who played I can't remember his name. I think Charlie or whatever in uh, um, Stranger Things. He got found with like I think he was smuggling cocaine in his butt or something, and uh, he got detained and deported. Uh, so Charlie, it may not be Charlie, the guy who plays Will's older brother. 
in Stranger Things? Oh, um, I think it's Charlie. It's not. I, I, mean, I, guess, I guess I'm wrong, but yeah, I was gonna say because people want him to play something in the new Marvel MCU universe because like they want John Krasinski and um, his wife, I can't think of her name right now, to be Mister and Mrs. Fantastic. Oh, his his name is Charlie. <laughs> But he plays Jonathan. Okay, I was like, there's nobody that nobody that show named Charlie. I, I didn't. Re- I remember. Apparently, I knew his real name. So yeah, he got deported because of some crazy stuff. Um, but anyway, moving along, it's just interesting that it would affect it that way to the point that they would pull his character model. That's crazy. But I guess the character model probably looks like the actor, and then the voice would be weird if it didn't match. So yeah, uh, me, might as well just pull, pull both. Might as well. What I'm wondering is how much is that going to affect you? Because you know the game was already on sale before they pulled it. How much are the copies that were sold with the original actor? How much are those going to spike up in cost? Oh, probably a lot. That's going to be a collector's thing for yeah. people who love these. Hakuto, your boy needs to get on this. He loves the Yakuza series. Uh, next up, Konami continues writing its legacy as they announced three different anniversary collections. One for arcade classics coming April 18th, one for the Castlevania series, and one for the Contra series, both aimed at early summer 2019. They have about four or five games each collection. Um, pretty interesting. I mean, it, we haven't seen Konami do much outside of this, and I mean, I guess we saw them do Metal Gear Survive, so. But. Unfortunately. You know, they're not only their little pachinko machines or whatever, but at this point. Yeah, it's just... I, I'm curious as we'll ever see another big game from them. But I think they'd be smart to... I mean, they're utilizing their IP in a lot of good ways. They're doing, like, you know, Castlevania on Netflix. Um, so, it's... Eh. I mean, I, I can see why they're still technically making money off of all their IP. There's no reason for them to... But it would be great if they would, like, license out their IP to other developers, and even if they don't want to worry about doing them in-house anymore. Yeah. Um Oh, all right, moving on to the next thing. Just weeks after they announced the end of PS Vita production, Hulu's app for the system has been removed from the store as well as reportedly no longer functioning at all for those who already had it installed. Uh, so, our, you know, sleep tight, dear Prince, RIP. But oh, is the Hulu the last nail in the coffin? Nah. <laughs> I hope not. No, because we get, we're getting new releases, man. War Theater just released for it. It's just that Hulu didn't have the strength. I, I will say I'm extremely disappointed in this. There's no reason to keep the already functioning app from working. Really, there's no even reason to pull it from the store. Probably but contractual reasons. If you want to pull it from the store, I doubt it, man. I, it really, they haven't updated the UI for the app in forever anyway. So it's it's just like when you're watching Netflix on the 3DS. They don't update that thing. It's like I, maybe they're preparing to unveil a new handheld, and they want everybody to stop using the Vita and just let it die off, like uh, they wanted it to. Three I hate years to tell ago. you, I hate to tell you, that's that's not going to happen. They wanted it to. The, they the, tried. The Vita tribe are too loyal. It's really crazy. Vita Island. All right, let's see. Next up, Dungeon Defenders, a last-gen indie game, is coming back with a sequel thanks to Chromatic Games acquiring the IP. The sequel, Dungeon Defenders Awakened, was given a Kickstarter goal of 250000 which it has now hit and continues to be funded uh, past that. So if you have any interest in that and you want to go check it out, go find that. Uh, you can back it and get the game at a discounted price, I would imagine. But if you don't trust Kickstarters, then you can just wait. And when the game comes out, you can just buy it normal. Uh, after teasing something Castle Crashers related on their Twitter, it's been officially announced that Castle Crashers Remastered is coming to PS4 this summer with a new game mode called Back Off Barbarian. So, interesting little game. I saw Jonathan and Dylan play that on PS3 back whenever we used to all live together, and I never got around to playing it myself, but it looks fun. Next thing, though, Days Gone Trophy List is uh, has been revealed, and it looks like a fun and reasonably achievable platinum trophy. So if you like PlayStation's little long-running thing of having 
reasonable Platinums on their exclusives. Uh, this looks no different. And then lastly, well, I'm, I'm going to use, and I'm going to do one little thing in here. I think it'd be really hard to go through this entire episode without not talking about Stadia at least once. Yeah. And so for anybody who really follows gaming relatively closely, if you don't, then you'll, this will fit you in. But Google announced the their, their little game thing, and a lot of people originally were thinking they might be doing a platform, but it makes way more sense for Google to utilize all of their network infrastructure and all the stuff they have to instead do a streaming service. So they announced a streaming service called Stadia. Now, this streaming service has a lot of interesting ideas. One of the things that they can do uh, is a direct tie to YouTube. One of the things they touted was being able to watch a YouTube video of a game, uh, be able to click over on the side of it, play this game now, and be loaded into the game within about five seconds if you were on the Stadia platform, if you have it, and are subscribed or however it's going to work. Um, and that it can run up to 4K, uh, 60 frames per second. By the time that it launches right now, I think it can do 1080p, 60 frames per second. It's what they're touting, but at the same time, what they showed during their t- their playing of um, Assassin's Creed Odyssey was actually 1080p, 30, uh, which was interesting. Yeah, uh, and they touted 60. Yeah, exactly. So it's one of those things where who knows why, um, but... You know, these are a couple of the ideas they had. They talked about being able to bring back couch co-op in a way by instead of, you know, the current gen consoles having to locally render all those things on multiple instances, uh, the way they'll be able to do it. That's They're saying that that's why a lot of games currently don't have couch co-op because it's too, you know, demanding to be able to do so and be able to keep the games on the cutting edge of technology otherwise. It's crazy because we so, did it 15 years ago. Yeah, but people had more of a care for it 15 years ago. They weren't really worried about the rest people of it. still have a care Also, for it. the other thing is that, well, I mean, but in terms of people didn't care if games looked cutting edge as much as they wanted to play with other people. But a lot of things have changed. One of the things also changed is that consoles aren't as, I'm trying to think of the word, they're not as ambitious as they once were. The PS3 nope. is a very ambitious which console. Is a, which is a, for a, all of a its, double-edged sword. Yeah, for all of its faults, we the saw, PS3 was incredibly there was ambitious. a lot of gimmicks yeah. that we've seen over the That's last... True. 30 years of video games. True. But I mean, you know, again, you could say this, the Dreamcast was ambitious. You know, it, it, it tried to do a lot. It tried pushing CD technology as far as they could Dream- and do a lot of interesting ideas and start online play and stuff. I but would argue hidden- that Dreamcast is probably the most ambitious console. I mean, the memory honestly, card, the it was, controller, a, it, it was ahead of its time by a lot. The CD, uh, the way it did CDs and stuff. Because they had they had more on the CDs than any well, other you, system at the time, didn't they? I, most most people just seem to have forgotten this that I've talked to about it. But the Dreamcast you could literally get on a browser. It was a disc. You had to put a disc that was a browser disc yeah. in the Dreamcast. It's like they would Netflix, load up a, a browser Netflix on the Wii, and you, you could, had to have a Netflix disc. Yeah, it was very odd, but you could do it. And it was at a time when people didn't expect to be able to get on a browser again until PlayStation Three came out with uh and it had the browser on theirs because the xbox 360 didn't have a browser i was just about to ask that did it ever i don't think it ever did i didn't i don't either yeah so and that's sad I, that's the you know thousands of hours i put in that console last year and i don't remember if that had a browser to be fair who would want to get on a browser in their console but people did it definitely for i mean getting custom i understand it. you don't have a computer your, and you know yeah you, let's you, it be you an a family one. computer in the living room and you want to look up something that you're not really supposed to be looking up and then there it is and on your TV, but I do have a little list. I'm going to run through real quick, and I don't. I mean, install your. Feel free to, you know. I, I think I, I know that we've talked a little bit about these things. Yeah, I'll. I, I said d- some definitely stuff in, on the Discord. I said stuff in Discord about it, and what I'll do is at the end of this, I'll just say my final thoughts on it all because yeah. it's it's pretty st- straightforward with my line of thinking for PS Now. I'm going to get them so, stretch. Okay, a lot of this is really just 
thoughts, but there are a, there are a good bit of concerns in it. So one of the things I think that needs to be thought about and is, is a concern that we aren't quite sure that they can handle too well, we just don't know yet, is latency and its effects on the games the service will reasonably be able to play and be useful for. Because they can probably play everything, but how tightly into a point where it feels like you would expect that. So Google is arguably losing out on two big genres with this, and that's the fighting game and the competitive shooters. I would even go as far as to say that racing simulators that require very precise right in the second movements is another one that you could really throw in there. And it's half of a genre at that point, but you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk about that. So not only in the casual scene of these genres, but also the effect of stadia, not being able, uh, not being a suitable platform for esports at that point. So professionals do not accept more than absolute minimum and input lag. I think everybody knows that to the point where they often use wired controllers to minimize latency as Which much is, as possible. Yeah. That, that was very, uh, gr- uh people, Loved and loved Sony for announcing that you could do that with uh, the PlayStation controllers now. Exactly, and I want and I want to say this as well. I think it's they've somewhat talked about wanting to get latency down as low as possible. One of the things that they're doing in that regard is that they've announced that the controller will be connecting to Wi-Fi instead of any kind of a system. There's no local hardware. Which is ironic. Yeah. If you're playing on a TV, it does use a Google um, Chromecast, but that's not really local hardware. It's just a in between because the TV doesn't naturally have Chrome. Well, well it's doing what it, it's doing what it says. It's casting your screen exactly. or phone or laptop or whatever to yeah. your so TV. In that case, the reason that the uh, the controller connects to Wi-Fi is to not have to go from the controller to a system that's also on Wi-Fi so that you don't incur a latency from that as well. Uh, so they're trying to work on that, but that's something to think about and you we don't know why, but we saw during the thing, if you go and look, there's a clip that, you know, has been shared. I think uh, Richard sent it to us, Zeon Neon or Neon, Neox Zeon or something on Twitter. It's, it's different. But it shows when they're playing Assassin's Creed Odyssey and he's going to switch off, he's hitting A and it takes about two and a half seconds to respond to what he did. Yeah. And he keeps tapping and it. And he keeps tapping it, and, too. And it finally works. And you could tell, it's like, oh. But we don't know what was going on there. But it's something to keep in mind, and it did. It, I'm glad that it was there because it showcased a major concern that some people might have not really thought of as quickly. Uh, data caps is the next thing. This is something that's really pertinent to our area. Uh, so no, it's pertinent to a lot of areas. Oh, it is. Every area you could pay to have more and unlimited data cap, like we can. You, we can't. You know we can't pay for unlimited, yeah, or at least we couldn't. Yeah, you can. I think we can um, now that we have gigabyte, but we didn't have. We gigabyte do not before. have gigabyte though. Yes, we our area does. We, we maybe we, we don't. don't. I'm saying me and you personally don't. Oh yeah, yeah. We don't pay for it. Cable one also doesn't have gigabyte. I mean, yeah, gigabyte is Cable One's giga service. That's you're thinking of their fiber service. Well, I mean, that, yeah, but that, that's their top speed service that you can get great. Uh, you can actually get reasonable upload speeds and stuff out of. We don't have that. Well, we we don't have that. But you, I, as no, far I'm as saying, I know, we I'm have saying, we don't. I, I'm, no, we don't. Like me and you have the second, the highest the package we can get well, uh, as a cable consumer. one, but Gigabyte is different in the way it works. I, I'll have to talk to you about it later because I've called them and talked to them about it. But I'll talk to you about it later. But data caps comes in. Me and Saul are at the highest saying we cannot pay for unlimited. There is no unlimited option in cable one in our area. The only unlimited option we have would be Windstream. But our Windstream speeds in this oh, area, boy, they claim megabits. they claim ten megabytes per second in most places. My area, if I got Windstream right now, two well, days they don't here, claim that by the way. It's they claim, ten. They claim fifty. They claim ten. No, they have that new service that they're sponsoring. I called not even that long ago. Ten I, I, well, at my house. I got a brochure in the I, mail that oh, says fifty. My, yeah, I got a brochure in the mail that says one hundred. Oh, well. Called? 
oh, in your area, all we offer is 10 megabytes per second. Gotcha. That's all they have. Well, I'm talking it's, about, yeah, I know they don't yeah. offer anything. For those that don't know, this internet service is so terrible that when I was playing Grand Theft Auto Five with <laughs> friends, I could not hop into a party chat and play with them at the same time or my internet would shut off. That's odd. It would lag me out. But that's my point is that there are the only... Uh, the only unlimited option we have here is this very, very subpar internet. And actually, even though they say 10 megabits per second, when we had it here prior to Cable 1, our average speed was about 4.2, which doesn't even hit the 5 megabytes per second minimum that they say that you need. They have raised our data cap. Yeah. I did not know that. 950 now, I think? 900. Okay. Yeah. From 700. Yeah. Oh, I hope it's free. Yeah. It oh, was. they do have Giga One. $175 a month. Yes. But look at those upload speeds, boy. You realize Kiki has that where he lives and it's like 60, I think he said 60 or $70 a month. Yeah, but it's also through Comcast. I don't care. We don't have, that's what I'm saying. And this gets into, this is something else we're talking about, but that gets into the argument of uh, ISP monopolies. That's a bad thing in a lot of areas. Which is what we have. Yeah, Cable One is the only ISP that's really a reasonable option here. There's Cable One, there's uh, And Wind they know Stream, that. So. And then there's the other company that's sponsored or owned by Windstream that yes. trick people into thinking it's not Windstream. Yeah, but it's Windstream. It's, it's essentially the, uh, what What are those, what's the phones that you can get from whatever? Um, oh, Lord, what are they called? Straight Talk or whatever? That's essentially just bouncing off of it. People are like, I don't like at and I have Straight Talk. In terms uh, of like AT and T service, it's sucks. the same thing. It's like I hate to tell you, they use AT and T's towers. It's straight talk, and um, there's another prepaid phone service that uses uh, AT and T service. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, but okay, so getting back into data caps, and this one's important. So 4K streaming on Netflix, and this is just an example that we have that's real. 4K streaming on Netflix equates to about 11.25 gigabytes an hour. The numbers could be different in this situation. There was a screenshot that someone shared, which we don't know if it's true or not, but it said 20 gigabytes per hour could be expected for gameplay, which might be true considering that there's other stuff going on that Netflix doesn't really involve with. Uh, but the problem there is that can we really expect these internet service providers across the board to abandon their data caps if they do have them like we have here? Uh, and if so, what cost does that incur? Because like right now, if we wanted to get a truly unlimited option, I don't even know if it's truly unlimited, is it? When I when I called them and uh, fifteen hundred gigs, fifteen hundred gigs is their limit. So they don't even but, have unlimited. But when I called them and asked them to uh, about like just I was gonna buy my own modem because yeah. I've had it for like three years now and I've been like leasing it or whatever. Yep. I might as well buy my own. Um, <laughs> they actually they had an offer on the phone and they were like, "Well, we noticed that you have the streamer plan now." And they were like, "Do you want to go ahead and add unlimited data for an extra?" I think they said forty five dollars more a month. But what's weird? Look at this. This is what I have. $45 a month is roughly in there. Yeah. So that has 1,500 gigs of a limit. So I don't know if that's like a special thing they have going on or if it's something they're testing. Well, sometimes they'll do retention things. They, they may be going, oh, he's nickel and diamond about this. He may be wanting to leave us because of our data cap, but if we offer an unlimited for an upcharge, you never know. Different things I happen. I guess so. I didn't think, I don't, yeah. I yeah, was, they're, they're, every company's got retention things where they go through and look and be like, oh, in case we think he might be threatening to leave us or if he does actually threaten to leave us, these are the options that we can employ to try and get him to stay as a customer. But that makes sense. That happens with cell phones too. You can normally get them to lower your bill a little bit if they think you're going to leave because they'd rather get some, most of your business and even lose ten dollars a month if it's going to make you happy. Well, they've tried to force us out of our grandfather to unlimited data before. Yeah, that didn't happen. So anyway, that's just something to think about. And 
just because I want to give everybody a frame of mind here, you know, they talk about on Google, we're talking about like, oh, no more of this. And they showed the little downloading bar. But there's a lot of things that I think modern gaming's already done to it to fix that. If you pre-order, if you pre-order a game, you get to early uh, download it. You know, you can go ahead and preload it. Uh, if you buy a game off of your phone, like Saul often does when he's at work, he sees a game on oh. sale or something, he'll buy a game digitally on his, uh, and say, download a PS4. It'll turn the system on, start down, or it'll, really, it just doesn't. There's mode. also a misconception there, too, because if you download a 50, gigabyte game you're not using 50 gigs of data either yeah um there people think that like if i you know if you go digital you're gonna use up all your data you're not like gonna use it's it's a difference and it's not major it's not major but it is a it's like if there. it says it's a 50 gig game realistically it's like 47 gigs in no it's lower than that it's like 41 or two not not I've, my I've, I've calculated even on even I, on um, I've, I've calculated Steam, it before like, you know. like me and annie went through uh because we, we went through and we looked at how much it is to like use netflix at 1080p yep and then we looked at all the games I downloaded, and I added all those up, and it was not 700 gigs. And you hit your data cap? Or no, I didn't hit my data cap. Okay, I was just we were just trying to see how far we can get and yeah. how far we normally yeah, get. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but even then, this is something to think about, and this is where this would affect us. All right, so instead of just downloading a game like Sekiro, which right now people are saying they can get around 50 hours out of, right? Or at least what I'm, from what I've seen is about 50 hours. Let's just say 40, all right? That game is 18 gigabytes. Now, if you were to stream that game 40 hours at 4K60, let's just say that's how they did it, uh, and you were doing that, then you know what would be happening there? You would be doing, let's just use the 11.25 gigs, right? I've already looked, so yeah. Yeah. You would be doing 450 gigabytes versus just downloading it for so 18 that's, gigs. that's for one game that you've been playing for 40 hours per month on top of things you're not counting in, like Netflix. Yeah, actually downloading games. You know, is is your child watching and, Netflix while you're streaming? I was gonna say, or browsing Reddit and stuff, which that stuff doesn't really add up. That you yeah. have to do a real a whole lot, but you it's do a still lot there. Yeah. But anyway, moving on to these next few, just real quick, ISP outages. This is something Saul talks about a lot, and, we, and it happens to a lot of people. Similar to an all-digital Xbox that hasn't been set as a home console and turned into offline mode before being disconnected from the internet, losing the ability to play just because your network goes out from bad ISPs can be a frustrating thing when it happens right in the middle of when the only gaming time you have. Saul's often talked about, oh, I sat down, it's the only time I had the game, was going to play Destiny, was excited to do so, internet didn't work, couldn't play my game. A game like Destiny is not a perfect example because it re- it literally requires internet, but let's just say... No, no it wasn't with Rainbow Six. Like, I wanted to just play Terrorist Hunt, and you can't even play Terrorist Hunt. Because of the way the game is... And then yeah. that's more on the developer, but let's just say this way. Well, I'm just saying in relation to, like, having this online streaming thing is that, like... Yeah, it's already bad enough, though, that you couldn't play the one game you wanted because of not having internet. Imagine well, not being able to play any of your games. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to play Stadia at all. Now, the other flip side of that is is that I'm not bashing on my ISP at that much. Like, they're pretty good for us around here. We're pretty... We have a pretty good plan compared to, like, what a lot of other Americans have that are in smaller cities comparable to ours. Yep. Uh, but there's been more times in which PlayStation is down. So, like, yeah, that's something yeah. that people are also thinking about is, like... What if happens if, if Stadia actually goes well, down? Well, if you go look into Google Fi in terms of, like, a phone plan, they're not that good. Well, Google Fi also runs off of Sprint and Stuff Towers. Which is even worse. Yeah. So we don't know what their infrastructure is going to run off of either for their internet, for Stadia. I see you have something going on that you need to go to. No, it's. I'll, I'll talk to you about it later. Is your phone messing up? No, it's not really. It's one of those weird things I told you about the other day. But anyway, um, 
where I was getting at with that, though, is that, of course, you lose the ability to play because of that. Now, the other flip side of that is that the introduction of 5G would be able to kind of alleviate that. If your internet provider goes out at your home for some reason, you can use your phone's 5G to play within reason. But that also comes back into the idea of data caps. Almost every phone, I have unlimited, right, on my phone, but they still have a stipulation in their thing that says, if you use over 25 gigs of data in a month, we can choose to throttle your, spe- <laughs> your, your speeds. So... I was looking into this on uh, this website on Ars Technica about Stadia to see if they had like somebody test the internet or something while they were there to see like what kind of speeds we're looking at. And like, there's just subtitles for this stupid song that plays saying droning did Gurudu music. Didgeridoo. Didgeridoo. Oh yeah, it is Didgeridoo, isn't it? (laughs) Carry on. Uh, But anyways, they say 20 to 30 megabytes per second, which is what they said in the thing. Mm -hmm. So unless they had a lot of people connected to the same network and it was just holding them down. I'm kind of worried about that because the latency thing. Yeah. Well, the the reason I even said that, cause Blake said the same thing. He said, maybe a lot of people were on these, on these internet or on that internet and the network was being drowned down. If you know that you're going to show off something that entirely is related, on bring internet, a separate network, you would have a, you would have a private or, network specifically or, set up for that. I know this is going to affect maybe people that go, but like, or, or not have public networks for them to connect to. Yeah. That's true too, but I mean it's Google. They can have a private network, even if it's just, if they say that this can run off of five G. Well, no, have I'm, a private five G. That's what network. I'm saying is yeah. that there's there's no excuse because well, even, I mean you can bandwidth Google. is a thing. So if everybody else is on their phones, it would still slow it down. But yeah, you know, my point being is that yeah, there's no. They should have been able I, to show a way to have a private hardline network just to show this off, just so they know that it showed wasn't off. Wasn't there like an iPhone thing, like where people were on the Wi-Fi, and like Steve Jobs yeah. had to turn, tell people to turn off the Wi-Fi? That would have been funny if that happened Yeah, here. he told everybody, like, and everybody thought he was joking. He's like, no, I'm for real, turn your phone off. And something your... worked, and I can't remember what he was, it was for the It was first FaceTime is what he was trying to show off. Was it? I'm pretty sure. Oh, okay. I thought it was um, for the first iPhone. That's not something on the first iPhone. We'll move this, the rest of this. The other thing I think, and this is the last two things are kind of to guy, tied in together. They're, they have a lack of pedigree in this industry, uh, but they have a strong ecosystem. These are kind of like a double-sided. So they have no history in the gaming market proper. They've attempted to address this by hiring in industry veterans uh, like they did with, and I can't remember her name, either of those, but the two people they brought out to talk about the thing, I think Jade Ramsey was one. I can't remember the other guy's name, but these are people who've been in the gaming industry for a long time. So they're obviously thinking about that, but regardless of what they're trying to do to fill out these ranks of the stadia team, it is still an industry that's way more mature than the last time that someone tried to break into the mainstream market. PlayStation and Xbox were the most recent examples of someone actually successfully breaking in. Uh, and for them, it's one of those things where it's consumers need to have comfort and know that they can trust you. And Google's brand helps this because of the fact that people know Google and then they can tie into all these things. And this ties back into something Saul was talking about before with PlayStation now, uh, is that our PlayStation plus, and then being able to put in PlayStation now, PlayStation view is that they do have the ability to make this all work within their ecosystem. Like they're talking about being able to do this on YouTube, being able to stream to YouTube at 4k 60 while you're streaming 4k 60 to your, to your TV so that you can do those things at the same time. These are things they can do. But we don't know how well they'll do it. We don't have any reason all in the, the gaming same, market. All over the same network. That sounds rough. I don't know because it's, it's not supposed to be that. 60. Not from you. It's supposed to be that's supposed to be happening from Stadia's side. Right? No, no. I know that. But I'm saying like, here's the thing: is that if Stadia is outputting this to me, and then I'm outputting it to YouTube. No, Twitch. the YouTube thing happens on Stadia's side. What I'm, no, what I'm, you're not listening though. Is YouTube going to be the only streaming company that is going to allow you to output in 4K? 
What do you mean to output? Like if you're because streaming, streaming has bitrate limits. Yes. Imagine the bitrate streaming in 4K. Uh, YouTube right now doesn't even have uh, bitrate limits. So Twitch, so they're, Twitch so, does. So they, but almost, Twitch only does if you're not uh, just, to, but only if you're like not, not partnered, partnered with them, yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. So here's the thing, though, is that I'm wondering is that if all these people who are doing this and testing out this service on day one, big streamers who have thousands and thousands of people watching, I wonder if that's going to hurt these platforms, like for the first day or so. Like I wonder if that the bandwidth for that streaming on there using up. I don't know what it is. I know it's thousands of bits to stream 4K. Yeah, well, it's going to it. Now, the thing is, it's variable bit rate. That's actually what what Twitch doesn't support. If you're not partnered, you don't. your people don't have the ability to watch at a variable bit rate. So they have to watch at what you're outputting at. Well, I'm just talking about the amount uh, of but YouTube, partners that will you, be playing. YouTube would say, okay, well, you're, you're going to 4K 60. Well, okay, right now, only 20% of the YouTube base can actually watch at 4K 60. So the rest of the people are going to choose to watch anywhere from 360p to 1080p. And so I get what you mean, though. It's it's a weird limiter that not a lot of people are, are aware of. Yeah, so you're meaning on YouTube's side of the network, and in yeah, this specific like time we have to say YouTube like, because it's exclusive. Well, you YouTube. also mentioned the back end of Stadia streaming to YouTube is from yeah, just at the back end of, uh, of Stadia yeah. too. So like, so it's not it, from your network. So I, right. I know what you're talking about though. Stadia streams to your home from your network, yeah, and then, and then that, Stadia from its network streams, streams to, to YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. yeah, and then so that's that's one of those weird things too is that I'm wondering if. If that's a good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, I don't know. The last thing I'll say in this is how invested in this is Google. If this comes out of the gate and doesn't set the world on fire, will they just abandon it as they've done other things in the past? Yeah, Google has uh, five, And they try six, a lot. You know. uh, I, I hate saying the word failed because they were, they were successful to an extent, but they weren't successful in their eyes, so they were failed. They're not, it's kind of like the Zune for Microsoft. It's not that nobody had them. It's that they still didn't break any of the real market share away from iTunes. Well, it's like, like yeah, you like know, Google or from Glass, uh, the Nexus line of phones that got absorbed into um, Huawei. No. No, no. The Nexus line of phones just got axed. Yeah. And then they said, well, we're going to start doing and which I mean, that I'm was a little different. Of 6P. Because at that point in their mind, they're like, well, we're just going to make our own phones. Right. But the, the phones is a perfect example of them trying their asses off realistically. Well, and that's, that's what I was going to say is that the, the reception right now for those aren't good at that, all. Yeah, exactly. The they, Google have, Pixel they have quality is, problems, yeah, and they look great on paper. But Google they never Fi, actually... their uh, phone network system, is not looking good. Mm-hmm. Um, what was the other thing that they were doing where they were going through originally? And you know, I brought up why don't they become their own ISP? They technically did this a little bit. I can't remember what it was called. Do you remember when Google was going through cities and putting in Google Fiber? Google Fiber, yeah. It's called Google Fiber. <laughs> no, 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 I just remember like, the name. Yeah. I was like, is this where he doesn't know how to say or doesn't know the word Euros? Fibray, <laughs> yeah. That was just a brain laugh. As soon as you told me, I was like, oh, Oh, I was like, it's literally because you said like a scent shape. I'm like, I, I like, I really just, I looked at the camera. I'm like, I really want to say it's the shape of an E for you. This Euro. is definitely a dual topic episode, but we need, to, we need to hurry but, up. Uh, one last thing though is that, or at least on that part, is Google Wallet mm-hmm. failed completely. Failed, and then they just shut it down, right? Yeah, uh, I, I don't remember what the outcome of that was because I used to have the card that was just a white debit card that had Google Wallet on it with mm-hmm. a number. But uh, at least my my final thoughts on it are is the same as the PlayStation Now. I think it's a cool like idea. We talked about the shadow streaming service, which is something that you can go by right now that is offering the same thing. Mm-hmm. doesn't work uh, uh, as well as you might think it does, and I can't imagine Google being too far ahead of it. I'm sure it, with Google's infrastructure, it'll be somewhat stronger, but the the this, this kind of technology is out there, and we see it right now. There was flaws at the showcase, uh, so my mind, think, my mind uh, process right now is that it's going to be hard to justify saying uh, any kind of excuse about that. 
Because at that point in time, they could either A, say that, oh, it's because of due to people in the room, and they could never properly show off how bad it really is, because uh, that's an excuse that can be used uh, universally. Or they can actually pop it out with their own network and show it all the way, and that kind of network be fiber or gigabit ne- uh, fiber internet that's not you know something everybody's going to have. Yeah. And right now, it's just the input lag. Uh, you can't play mouse and keyboard at all, really, with that kind of input lag. Controller makes it a little bit better. Um, yeah, and actually, there was a thing where someone talked about that. They said like yeah. when they moved from playing Doom specifically, so they were they were bragging, saying, "Oh, well, we can play Doom, and what better way to show you how great this is right. than Doom? Because Doom requires smoothness." And then, of course, what happens? A lot of people who were able to go and play it said, "Well, actually, playing on mouse and keyboard just felt off." Yeah, and they were like, you know, moving to a controller made it feel more reasonable because of the limit, the, the more limited there, thing. There are uh, uh, a good majority of people who play on PC. Uh, who who are like hardcore PC gamers would rather have a wired mouse than a wireless mouse for milliseconds of input lag. Exactly. They're not going to want seconds of actual lag. Um, the three-second lag for the button press, or two-second lag, I think is what it really came down to, uh, is ridiculous. So for me, it's a cool idea, and I still, it's this, it's the, it pretty much, if you heard me talk about PlayStation Now, it's a cool idea that's not ready yet. Not due to the nature of the company making it, but due to the nature of the current limiters in its market, which is is ISP. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. I'm glad you said that because I was going to say, too, a lot of people are acting like this is new. The only thing that Google's doing new here is the back end features, being able to stream to YouTube right off the thing, being able to click a video and stream into it in five seconds. To be dead honest, this is no different than what PlayStation was trying to do started six years ago now, five years ago with PlayStation Now. This is not new. It's just Google's take on it. And it's not saying it's going to be bad. I'm going to try it. I mean, I'm definitely curious to see how it is, but it will never replace my console. I want local side processing to have the smoothest experience that I can. And the thing is, no matter what you do, and there's a digital foundry video that is great for this, go check it out and talk about it. No matter how much they want to say about 4K and 60 frames per second, that will never be as good as 4K 60 frames or even 4K 30 frames on a TV that's going from local hardware because you get streaming artifacts. It's just a problem. It exists. But... Go ahead, Saul. Uh, I was going to say that. Pricing. Yeah, the pricing is something that I really am really curious about because, like, looking at the one that I said it uh, a couple weeks back where Linus Tech Tips actually did a video on this where there was no input lag. Uh, like, the system they were using uh, to monitor input lag couldn't even monitor any. Um, it's like $35 a month for the best plan. Uh, so I hate to say, buddy, we've got to wrap it up. So uh, this is one of those things where we ranted a little bit badly, but go ahead, finish. I'm just telling you that we're like at the edge. Oh, well, <laughs> but it's cool. Finish this up and we'll, yeah. we'll run through the, the, cause I mean, uh, it's going to be a, a slight dual topic. We ended up talking about stadium. More but than yeah, it depends to. on the pricing. So I'll say that much. It depends on the pricing, but cool tech's there. I'm just, I, it's not something I could be excited for because I already have it with PlayStation now. I don't use similar, it. similar take is what we did on PS now. It costs too much to feel justifiable for a, for a lesser yeah, experience. Way than, too expensive for yeah. what it is, in my opinion. For us. But also, I don't think we benefit from the streaming aspect as much as many because we have the option here. I think the people, because we talked about PS Now having surprisingly good numbers, is that like there are people who obviously need that. Like, well, we just don't have the ability to play. Being able to pull my phone out or my computer out or whatever it be uh, and do PlayStation Now is great. Being able to pull your phone out and, and remote play from your PS4 now is great when you don't have to carry out all these things. And that's all streaming. I mean, remote play is remote nothing play but is streaming. streaming. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just, we, we've seen it all before and there's reasons that people have not picked it up big yet. Google might be able to figure those things out, but it seems like it's more, it's not, it's out of Google's hands as to whether these things work right. It's more in the hands of ISPs and whatnot. So, 
With that said, though, we're going to go into the final bit of this, and we're going to be a little rust on it. That's our fault. We were kind of rambling this episode, sadly. Uh, but State of Play, which is the new thing that Sony has announced they're doing, this is going to be their video showcase debut. Um, it's gonna, we're essentially calling this somewhere between, because we don't know yet, uh, and the reason we did the cold opening the way we did is that we don't know enough about this right now. So the way that PlayStation's saying it, State of Play will be a live broadcast that starts at... That you guys will probably actually watch before you watch this episode. Potentially. Yeah, very very much, very likely. Uh, March 25th, that's Monday, the, the, episode this goes, the day this episode goes live. 2 p.m. PST, so two hours after this goes live, essentially. Um, I know a lot of people watch this after work and such, too. Oh, not two hours, four hours after this goes live. Um, oh, yeah, it is. 10 a.m. Yeah. PST. Uh, so anyway, uh, in that case, what's going on here... A lot of the worry I've seen from some people, but this is a, a, a real thing to worry about. Is this something closer to what Saul's talked about where he wants them to do something that's uh, more scripted and just pre-planned and it's just a video role that happens as a live broadcast? So I mean, it happens live, but all you're doing is just watching a group of videos or are they trying to do something that's a little more close to what Xbox Insight is, which is where I think Xbox Insight is once a month and they have real people going and talking about these things. Yeah. So Saul, which one do you prefer? Direct. I thought so. So for those that don't and know... Why, uh, yeah, a Nintendo Direct is these little events they do. They're, in our average, anywhere between 15 to 30 minutes long. And like what Brett said, they're pre-recorded. They just stream them live on YouTube. You don't know when they're coming out except like the day before. So they're fun little surprises that pop up. And they generally reveal big things. And they, it's really cool because there's an act. I'm mean, not an act. There is a um, uh, almost an uncertainty on when you'll see one again. And before you know it, they'll be like, oh, there's one here tomorrow, 5 p.m. Like, oh, cool. And then the speculation begins, and it's fun to speculate. And obviously, with the slow stuff going in right now in this current uh, year, you're not going to see a whole lot. But I, I'm sure that the first couple uh, can have some pretty cool news in them. So I love Nintendo Directs. They're really, really cool. I really agree with that format of video. And I really hope that's what these are. And so not, not clogging a, it up with somebody trying to I'm not a fan. Yeah, I'm not a fan of like somebody on a stage, somebody interviewing somebody. Typically, directs, they're just literally two, maybe three hosts, at the, or two, one, maybe two hosts uh, for each direct. And it's all pre recorded. There's no jibber jabber. It's, it's basically like this is, you know, like last direct, they announced a Zelda game. This game, the direct before that, there was a Zelda game announced. These aren't really small games that are coming out. Uh, even though the last one was a Nindies, a Nintendo Indies showcase. So yeah, and I, that's another thing I was going to say is that they tend to tell you if, what, to like what to expect. It's a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, yeah if well, it's going to be Nindies based, they just go, "Hey, look, we don't, we're not telling you what the games are, but you just know that this is an indie focus." Yeah, so direct. you basically know that this is Indies, and then this is not, and then the big ones can actually come out of the ones that are not. So like the next big one, the next normal direct we see is probably going to have Animal Crossing release date in it. Okay, that's what I was going to say. Is I think you may have just mentioned something about it, but as far as the Nintendo Directs go, don't, aren't they normally geared primarily, or at least they can be, and they've done, they've done it often where they're geared towards a specific game? So you're like, well, here's a Smash Direct, and this entire Direct is Smash-related. They do that, but like typical Directs aren't. Okay, so but I guess it's the flexibility of the direct approach. It can yeah, be a direct those, that's all about one game, or it can be a direct that's about showing you tidbits of information about every game. Yeah, and in the, and the ones that are primarily about one typically do have stuff about, like, I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure... Well, because like they did the Pokemon Direct, you know? Like that's the most recent example I could find of that, where they did the Pokemon announcement, and it was a Direct, where they went through and said, well, here's the new Pokemon games. We're going to show you this teaser. Then we're going to show you a little bit of gameplay. Yeah, and, and I can't remember if they um, uh, interviewed... Oh, 
the creator of Smash Brothers and Kirby, Matsuda? No. What well, I can't think of his name, but they interviewed him during the Smash Direct or E3. Because uh, mm. E3 threw me off with how much Smash Brothers was in it. But. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't remember on that one either. What but... do you think, though, real quick, to end this off? Yeah, I mean... Know, I... You're going to get killed by your wife. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> if I'm not here for the next episode, just find somebody who you like as much as me. I'll just do it by myself. Yeah, and then switch chairs every time and pretend to be me, like responding to you. That'd be fun. Um, so what we'll do... Uh, what I'll say here is that, I, for me... If you're going to do something a little more like Xbox Inside... It's kind of like E3. It's, it almost feels like E3 light, where you're trying to be a little too much like E3, having real people there. It feels like GameStop TV. It feels like business, which I don't care for. business versus business casual versus casual. What, what it sounds like is it looks like people who are being paid, and I'm not saying these people are, but this is what it comes off as, the way I perceive it as. Uh, it, I perceive it as somebody who's essentially being paid to act like they are caring about it. So it's like fake enthusiasm. Exa- exactly. And it's like, Oh, well, we're supposed to be one of these big things, but it's always the same person. It's like, I hate to tell you this. No one person likes every single thing that you, that's going to roll through this. And that's just how it kind of goes. When you watch that GameStop TV, which is very similar to Xbox inside to me, it's one of those things where it feels like, you know, this person really is into this because they had, They've shown every game that's coming out this month. Are you tell me this person's into every single one of these games? It's impossible. You know how many games I don't care for? Also, the coolest thing about Directs is that they use a um, like a roadmap. Each, each video, they'll have like a graphic, and it'll show you like where it's where they're going. The 3DS and then the Switch. And then typically what it does, if it's if it's a new game they're announcing, it'll have the date under it, like 2019. Yep. Um, it's very visual there. there you, don't, you don't often see a lot of people running around. That's what Treehouse is for. So with yes. Direct, they'll yeah. have somebody up there talking, and then they'll be dubbed, and then they'll go into the roadmap, and the roadmap will show five or six games in a row, and then it'll go back to him, and he's like, now here's what, you, you know, here's what you're excited for. We hope to see you next time, and then they show you something big, and that's it. Or not, it's not always something big, but they show you what, what is probably the intentional uh, or intention of the Direct to show you. Kind of like the climax of it. Like the, yeah. They finish on what they say. Well, this is what we really did the Direct for. The other thing was just updates on yeah. things, which is going to be interesting to see how they do this. Of course, there's two things they can do. They can either do a, a very Direct-like approach, they can do a very inside Xbox approach, or what they could do is some kind of a, a mixture between the two where they do a lot of pre-recorded stuff, kind of roll through it, and then they just have one person come out and talk about like... Because the Nindies is a little more driven by having a little bit more talking in it. I haven't really watched them, but from what I've seen from people, I didn't reporting watch this last on, one, uh, just because Liam did a play by play while I was at work. So you were but, able to uh, kind of get it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't. So I didn't get a chance to watch the last one, but that's also something else that's cool about them too. Since they're so small, they're easy to digest and they it, like, it's not like having E3 spoiled for you. Okay. Well, that's going to be the, the, you bringing up E3 is interesting. So here's, do you, Personally, and of course, your your feelings might change once we see what it really is. But if this is more along the lines of what you're hoping for, do you hope that they do this and completely cancel E3 and a- never do E3 again? Absolutely not. Nintendo still does E3 and does a good job at it. Well, but they do E3 via directs. I mean, technically, yeah. Yeah. Like, so honestly, it, I, I would like to see that for once because the last year's E3 for pay, uh, for PlayStation was absolutely terrible because of pacing. Wor- worst at the show because it was live and pacing. Yeah, yeah. I, I could agree that. So if they well, cut that off and I do something more show. direct, well, 
worse at the show compared to it's worse at xbox i should say which is the main because they didn't have the same and it really it came down to pacing problems. it was real bad yeah. pacing the games yeah. that they revealed versus what well, games we knew about for the mm-hmm. most part and yeah, yeah i mean xbox i'll give you that, that yeah so just a kiro and and that's another thing is you, forza expectations right you don't really care in a direct it's not a big deal if you see Cyberpunk. a game you've already seen some of right yeah. you're just kind of like oh, okay whatever this Everybody was expecting Cyberpunk to be from PlayStation, and Xbox got it. So, it's yeah. but yeah, I mean, if they did that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. Like, I don't go to E3, so I'm not really one for spectacle in that nature. So, okay, I got you. Well, I think we're gonna have to end this off so my wife doesn't kill me if I'm not here next week. Then Sorry I for the rush, guys. Love you guys. But anyway, with that said, this has been Triangle Squared. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to our patrons: Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Matthew Green. My name is Dan Douglas Below, Sean Santarud. Eric McAllister, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonard, Travis Below, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino, Stefan Swanlin, and Koi Live. If you'd like to support us on Patreon, we'd appreciate it very much, and you can do so by checking the link in the description below. Thank you.